Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, welcome to a series that we have entitled No Other Name. And I believe that today as we start this series that it's going to have a tremendous impact on your life. And I uh, just want to give you kind of a, a heads up here uh, about just about me today. Uh, this week, for about four days, I, I was not out of bed because I got attacked with the flu. Um, and so it's a miracle today that I'm standing in front of you. And so I didn't know how I was going to do this uh, today. And, and it just seemed like even this morning I was up all night. And, and, uh, but how many of you know that the flu is not the final name that can conquer our lives. There's a name above the flu. It's not Theraflu. Right, so some of you got there. It's the name of Jesus. And uh, so we spoke that name, and I spoke that name over my my uh, my life and, and over my my family's life because they're they're dealing with that this morning. But I just wanted to say that because honestly, I have not even talked this much. Uh, this week without coughing. And so if I have to take a moment and cough, uh, just, just pray for me. So, but thank God I feel good. And, um, and I'm sweating up here and uh, I've been sweating this whole week because of, of that. So just, just know that it's not that I'm weird or anything. It's just, my body is getting the flu out. And so I apologize for that. All right. Is that okay? Just wanted to let you know if I have to talk, it's, uh, stop for a moment and just take a drink of water. That's why, but uh, I'm going to give it my best. Amen. I believe this series, if you'll stick with it, is going to have a tremendous impact on who you are and who you understand how God is and what he wants to do in your life and, and in my life. And Jesus is not just another name. Actually, there is no other name like Jesus. And why is that? Why, why is that? We're going to go through the Bible, and what we're going to do is, is we're going to talk about this name. And if you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And as you're turning there, as you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. What's in a name? Well, what, what's in a name? I mean, there's millions and millions of names. And you know what I've learned about names is that names can invoke emotion. If I were here and I were to talk to you or mention the name of somebody maybe that you had a relationship with in the past or maybe in high school, maybe an ex-boyfriend, maybe an ex-girlfriend, I'm sure that it would invoke some type of emotion. Maybe some good or maybe some, aww. Oh, or uh, just saying the name can invoke some type of emotion. But you know what names also do is names also paint a picture. I could say some names and those names would paint a picture in your mind, but also it would tell a story. I could say famous people's names in history like Nelson Mandela. Or what about on the total opposite end of the spectrum, Adolf Hitler? Man, that would paint a picture in your mind that just, oh, you don't even want to say the name. I didn't even know if I should say that name in church today. But, you know, it, it's just an example of how it paints a picture. What about Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents who ever lived? Then you have other famous names like the Kardashians. We don't know why they're famous 
but they're famous, right? But I could say that name, and I hopefully when you, I say my name, you don't laugh like you just did when I said the Kardashians. But it's interesting that I could tell you in years of youth ministry, all I would have to do is say the Kardashian name and people would laugh. Do you know that? It's like invokes always the same type of emotion. It paints the same picture. Or there are other names that at one point their image was good. And then now their image is different. If I were to say the name O.J., not talking about orange juice, orange, or OJ, OJ Simpson. I think a white Bronco. <laughs> That's what I think, right? Is that a Bronco? No, OJ Simpson, right? Or what about this, Tiger Woods? Or what about somebody like Bill Cosby? Man, that name, I, I don't know about you, but Wow. I mean, it, just in the headlines, I don't believe everything I read. But here's one thing I've learned in, throughout history. It's one thing for people to say and the media to say, but when other people start coming out and start saying the same thing, ugh, it's just like, and Bill Cosby, Mr. Huxtable. Now the name for some of us is even now repulsive. You know, now... Names are all over our news, right? It's the political season. Oh my goodness. I've never seen people so outraged. You could say the name, the Donald, right? Or the Hillary. Please don't clap or boo, please. We are in church. But man, you say the Donald, you say the Hillary. Ooh, people, I mean, they are just, just a name. That's all it is. It's a name. Why? Because names have significance. Your name has significance. My name has significance. And the reality of it is, I think that the significance of names has changed dramatically over time. And it's funny because nowadays, I think even when we pick our kids' names, we pick our kids' names based on what's cute, right? Let's Google what's, what's cute. I don't know if it's just me, but are parents just trying to see how weird we can get with our kids' names? I mean, are we just trying, I know before it was Mary, it was Jason, it was Peter, right? Cool, we got it, right? But then now it's like we're on the total other end of the spectrum. The lady that was cutting my hair the other day, we were talking about names. She said, yeah, I had a client in here, and she named her kid Bash. Bash? Not Boulder Dash or Dash, Bash. Like, are we just, is that just, I mean, I, you can name your kids whatever you want. But it's interesting to me that a name now, it seems like it's not really significant. As long as it's different, let's just, you know. But let me say this. I always find it interesting that nowadays, even still, people are still choosing Bible names for their kids. Like David. Man, when you think of David, there's legacy with that name. I mean, he killed giants. When you start thinking about Joshua, I mean, Joshua, man, they were great warriors. I mean, these guys, you know, when you start thinking about those names, Peter, Matthew, the disciples. And so these names were significant and are significant. But in Bible times, they were really significant. In Bible times, names were expected to provide an insight to a person's nature. A name actually provided insight into a person's character. Now I want you to hear this. 
in ancient times, names even provided an expectation of their future. My name means, my name is Phil. My name means strong in spirit. And that has been the, the course of my life. That everything that the enemy has come and thrown against me, God has been so strong in my life. And you know, your name has a meaning, but so does the name of Jesus. And let's read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, because this is the name above every name. Are you glad you came to church this morning? And being found in an appearance or being found in appearance as a man, verse 8 says, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Now, who are we talking about here? This is talking about Jesus. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and has given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those, un, uh, those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What an amazing verse is that. Man, we could close our Bibles and go home. But you know what? Many of us in the Christian faith, we've known that there are many names of God. I mean, if, you, if you've been around the church or been around Christianity, you'll know that uh, every time God shows his name or reveals his name, he's showing a part of his character. Let me give you, let me give you a couple of the names of God. There are many, but there's the name Jehovah. Jehovah actually means the one who is. Now, not the one who was. Not the one who might be, but the one who is. Would you say that with me? Would you say Jehovah? Then the Bible talks about this name, the name Adonai. It means the majestic one. It also means he should be the first and the last authority in our lives. Adonai. Would you say that with me? Say Adonai. Man, you came to church this morning and now you're already talking in tongues. That's awesome. Now would you say this one? L. It's just E-L. That means the strong God, the one who overcomes your opposition. These are all names of God. I love this one. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the source of blessing. And then there's also the name Rapha. And that means the Lord who heals you. And then this one we probably only think about during Christmas, but it's Emmanuel. Does anybody know what Emmanuel means? Emmanuel means what? God with us. Or let me say it like this. God with you. Always. He's always with you. Always. Everywhere you go. Not just during Christmas time, right, when the angels came. But always. That's his name, Emmanuel. Now, what we're going to do is today I'm going to give you a brief introduction because you need to understand this, what we're talking about today, before we move into next week. Because here's the reality. Next week, we're going to talk about the disciples. The disciples looked at Jesus' name and they understood, number one, that they had access to the name of Jesus, but they also understood that they carried the name of Jesus. And it was so important to them because they would act in radical ways under this name. 
And if we understand why, why is it that the disciples took the name of Jesus and were willing to do anything under this name? Why is it that under this name, when the disciples began to talk, that demons would manifest? Why is it we need to understand that? Because you and I also bear this name. Let me try this side over here. You and I also bear this name. Come on, you're making me work this morning. We bear this name. When you go to work, you bear this name. When I go to work, I bear this name. We live, we gather under this name. It's the greatest name. But you need to understand a little bit of the history because when you, when you understand it, it's going to make more sense and you're going to know how to use it. Turn real quick. Let's go back a little bit more into the beginning in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Now, there are many names of God, same God, right? And we're about to read here a very popular story. The children of Israel are... Um, captive in Egypt and they are praying to God for a deliverer and here comes Moses he's walking up this mountain and he's about to see this burning bush right Charlton Heston everybody see the Ten Commandments right that's how Moses looked we know Moses looked when we see him in heaven he's going to look like Charlton Heston right and so he's about to see the burning bush he's going to talk to this bush right Exodus chapter 3 Verse 10, and God is telling him, I want to send you, Moses. I want you to be the deliverer, right? So watch this. It says this. Come now, therefore, and I will send you. God is talking to Moses. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God. Now, I did some study for you, and the, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, Right? So I looked up that word, God. Right? So who is Moses talking to? He's talking to God. But there are many names of God. So who is he talking to? Right here, this word in the Hebrew is Elohim. Everybody say that with me. Say Elohim. One of the definitions of Elohim is creator. I want you to understand this. Moses is talking to Elohim. Okay? This is going to make sense here in a minute. I want you to follow this, right? So, but Moses says to God, creator, right, Elohim, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Let's skip down to verse 13 for sake of time. Then Moses said to God, what God is that? Elohim, that's creator God. Then Moses said to Elohim, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What should I say to them? Now, I find this very interesting. Moses is thinking, when I go to the children of Israel and I tell them, hey, here I am. I am the deliverer. Listen to what Moses is is thinking. He's thinking that the children of Israel aren't going to ask How are you going to get me out of Egypt? The children of Israel are going to ask, who sent you? We do that too. Ever been at work and you do something, you get it all done, and then someone comes in and they're like, no, we got to change that. And you say, who said that? (laughs) Who said to change it? Because that's what I want to know. I want to know who. I don't want to know all the how. I want to know who. Because here's the reality. When you know who, the how doesn't matter. 
When you know who God is, everything else will take place, right? And that's what we have to have our trust in. We have to have our trust in the who, and then the how will make sense later. Come on, can you say a good amen? And so Moses says, so what is your name? I want to know, who should I tell them? Look in verse 14, it says this, and God said to Moses, now God is talking to Moses, and God says to Moses, here's my name, listen, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent you. Verse 15, moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Now, why does this matter that God would say, tell them I am who I am? Moses was talking to God, Elohim. And now for the first time, God is about to name himself. God is about to say, I'm gonna give you my name. And this is what I want the children of Israel to know. I want them to know that I am sent them, that sent you. I want, I want them to know that. Now, why is this important? Out of every language, all the languages that ever existed, you're talking about God here. God is naming himself God could choose any name for himself. He could choose whatever he wants to name himself. He can, can we agree on that this morning? Can you say a good amen? And so we do not mince words here. He says, tell them that I am sent you. Now, what does that mean? I looked that up in the Hebrew. Aren't you glad I do the work for you? Right? That word, I am, is translated this. Yahweh. Would you say that with me? Just say that. Yahweh. I think we put that on the screen. Yahweh, and this is what it means. Very simple. It means Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer. Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer. Yahweh means what? Say it with me. Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer. One more time. Yahweh means what? Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer. This is what God chose. God said, you tell them I am Yahweh, their savior, their redeemer, and their deliverer has sent them, has sent you. Now, why, why is this important? Names have such significance and God is revealing to his people, listen, not only who he is, but he's also revealing to his people his purpose, his purpose. He says, I am. So now Moses calls God Elohim and God says, now I want you. Here's my name. I am. So Moses was dealing with who? Yahweh. So it makes you 
ask some questions. If Moses was dealing with Yahweh, well then what about Abraham? Who did Abraham deal with? I mean, did Abraham deal with Elohim or did Abraham also deal with Yahweh? Well, I did some work for you and some study for you. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse six, it says this, and Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, if you don't know anything about Abraham, Abraham was way before the 10 commandments. If I say the law, that's what I'm talking about, the Ten Commandments. Abraham lived way before the law. So before the law, before Jesus was Abraham. How did Abraham have righteousness? Did Abraham have righteousness because of his deeds or because of his faith? He had his righteousness because of his faith. Ladies and gentlemen, not much has changed. But look, listen to this. And Abraham believed the Lord. See, if you believe right, you'll live right. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it unto him as righteousness. So what the, the word Lord there, guess what the word Lord is translated there? Anybody know? The word Lord there is translated Yahweh. Do you know what Yahweh means? Yahweh means what? Savior, deliverer, redeemer. So Abraham was dealing with Yahweh. Well, what about Noah? Remember Noah? Noah's the guy that built the great ark. I love this because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, even with Noah, it says, but Noah found grace. You know, this is the first time in the, uh, the Bible, first time in the Bible you see the word grace. It says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The times here were so wicked, so wicked, and yet one man found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. What do you think the definition of that word Lord is there? Say it loud. Man, somebody taught you so good. You must have a good teacher. And guess what Yahweh means? Yahweh means Savior, Redeemer, deliverer. So Abraham got righteousness because he believed God even before Jesus. Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh even before the law, even before Jesus. Well, wait, Pastor Phil, this is really confusing because doesn't the Bible say in John that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, absolutely, that's exactly what the Bible says. And so here's where everything turns. We're going to look at a story in John chapter 5, verse 56. You could turn over there. Jesus is standing in front of some haters. Some people, they're drinking the haterade. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Haters are always hating, hating, right? Right? And I'm just going to shake, shake, shake. But anyway, so... He's dealing with some haters and they are literally accusing Jesus. I want you to hear this of being demon possessed. Okay. They're, they're saying he's not the son of God and that he's demon possessed. Now, I don't care what you go through at work. You have not gone through anything until people are saying you're demon possessed. Now, when people are talking about you and complaining about, that's one thing. But you have a whole nother level when they're saying you're demon possessed. Now, this is the son of God and they are saying he is demon possessed. Oh my goodness. I, I, 
oh, I can't even imagine. Maybe a, a lightning bolt from heaven should fall. You're calling Jesus demon-possessed? So this is the level of criticism that he's, he's getting under in John chapter 5, verse 56. And hopefully this will help bring it all together because we're talking about no other name. Ready? John chapter 8, verse 56. And so they're criticizing him. They're starting to criticize him about Abraham. And look at what, what happens. In, you, in, in verse 56, it says, Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day. Jesus is talking him. He says, your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now watch this. The Jews, then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? They're asking Jesus. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham, I am. Now, you better believe these Jews knew exactly what that was. These haters are hating on Jesus, telling him that he's demon-possessed, and they're saying, you, you don't even know Abraham. How could you know Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. And then Jesus says, you have to understand the person that stands in front of you. I was before Abraham. I am the great I am. So this is what Jesus was saying. Standing before you today is Yahweh, Savior, Redeemer, and Deliverer. And so what Jesus was telling them is, I am Jesus. I am Yahweh. And are you following me? Okay, because I'm getting a little more excited than you are. Maybe I just love Jesus a little bit more. That's okay. No worries. So, for us, what does that mean for us today? It means this. Jesus was saying, I was back with Noah. I was back with Abraham. I'm the one that gave grace to Noah. I'm the one that gave righteousness to Abraham because I am Yahweh. The same God that was there is the same God that stands in front of you today. Now, I'm not trying to confuse you but I want to go a little bit deeper. See, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. So I could take the word Yahweh in Hebrew and it would have definitions. I, would, I could also take Yahweh and put it into Greek. It would have more definitions. So I gave you the Hebrew definition of Yahweh. Just a real quick pop quiz, right? What does Yahweh mean? One more time for all those who are still a little confused. Ready? I feel like I'm... Awesome. Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer. You're going to be in your sleep tonight. That's good. Because when you're going through something, you're going to remember this. When life is hard, you're going to remember that Jesus is still your Savior, your Redeemer, and your Deliverer. But if I were to give you this in the Greek, this is what it means with Yahweh. It means the one who was, the one who is, and the one who always will be. And there is no other. That's what it means in the Greek. Now, in Revelation, if you read the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus is the one who was, the one who is, 
and the one who will ever be. We know him today as Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why is this important? Because ever since the beginning of time, Jesus has always been Yahweh. And let me remind just, just for a moment, it is the name that he gave himself. That in our lives, as I were to tell you, this name would bring about purpose, the significance, paint a picture. God knew all of that about names. And he says, this is what I want you to call me, Yahweh. Why is that important? Because when you say a prayer and invite Jesus by faith into your heart, guess who comes into your heart? Yahweh, the Savior, the Deliverer, the Redeemer. He comes inside your heart. But that's not the only person that you get. You get all of who God is. Because listen, when Yahweh comes into your life, guess who also comes? Emmanuel comes into your life. The God who is with you no matter where you go. And when you get Emmanuel, because you got Yahweh, guess what? You get El Shaddai, the source of all blessing. But it started with Yahweh, right? And when Yahweh comes into your heart, guess who else you get? You get Jehovah Rapha, who is your healer. He's in there too, because it is who God is. Because you cannot separate who he is from his name. Let me say it again. You cannot separate who God is from his name. That's why Jesus' name causes so many problems. Because it's the essence of who God is. No, you can talk to people at work about God. They don't care. But when you mention what name? Jesus. People will walk away. Why? Why, why is that it's just that name? I mean, we can talk about God and we can agree about God or God's. People are okay with you saying that. Oh, but when you mention the name of Jesus, you know why? Because it engulfs and encapsulates everything that God is in one name, and that is the name of Jesus. Come on, give him a good round of applause this morning. Wake yourself up a little bit. Come on, and let's give him some praise this morning. Isn't it interesting? Have you ever watched the news and people are experiencing a miracle and they'll have a person on there, they'll talk about the miracle and as soon as the person says, oh, I, you know, yeah, this was good and I, we saw the miracle and Jesus, as soon as they say that, it's like, okay, we're going to go to the next. Why is that? Because the name has power. It has power like no other name. This is why God has exalted him. Because ever since the beginning, Jesus has always been Yahweh. So even when he was Elohim and he created man, knowing that man would fall, right? God created him. And I like to say this all the time because people ask me this, Pastor Phil, why did God put the tree in the garden? If he knew Adam was going to eat of the tree, why did he put the tree in the garden? If you ever are a pastor, you have to answer that question. And the second one is, what happened to the dinosaurs? That one too, okay? We'll get to that one another time. People want to know. I can't go to heaven without knowing what happened to the dinosaurs. Okay? We'll talk about that another time. Don't lose heart. Okay? 
God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden because love always has to have a choice. God gave us the choice. God never wanted man to know evil. It was never God's plan. And yet, as he made man and woman, knowing that we would make a mistake, he called himself Yahweh and said he would be our savior, our deliverer, and our redeemer. That is the God that we serve. That's why in Philippians 2, today as we close, the Bible says that God has exalted that name above every other name. That every name in heaven, on earth, and underneath the earth will always bow to that name. You know what's so sad to me? I don't hear Christians use this name enough. This name God has given to us. It's the most powerful name. And he's given us access to that name. He's given us access to this name. This name, Jesus, was meant to be used by you. Not in vain. Not in vain. But as a cry for help. As a cry of authority. Because there's authority in this name. You know, um, or the flu that came on me has to bow to the name of Jesus. And you know, this, this week, just kept laying my hands on my wife and my son. And in the name of Jesus, this is what this name is for. For you and I to be able to use this name. But I want to say this. It's important. See, I think as Christians, we think that our salvation is just a one-time deal. I said a prayer, Jesus comes into my life, he saves me of my sins, and he does. But let me say this, Jesus is always Yahweh. You may be facing a financial crisis and you need deliverance. He is still Yahweh. He is still your deliverer. He is still your redeemer. You may be facing something in your marriage. And can I just tell you, he is still Yahweh, your savior, your deliverer, your, your uh, redeemer. He doesn't stop saving just because you're saved. Ooh, that's profound. You can tweet that. And even though we have Jesus in our heart and we will die and we will go to heaven, there are some times in life where we still need some saving. Can you say a good amen? And today I want you to know that he is always Yahweh. And so now as we move into next week, you're going to understand that this name, that the disciples, they did things under this name that people could never do on their own. And you know, that's the desire that I have for us today at Passion Life Church is to see us do things under this name that they did in the Bible. Can you say a good amen? amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good round of applause. If you would. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 